Okay, welcome everyone to our third podcast from me, Hugh Powell and Jad Haywood. Um, this is a very exciting one, I think, for us really looking forward. I mean, the last podcast we were talking about the challenges of COVID and specifically, I guess, for me and Janet in, in, in Welsh schools and what that meant. This is a really much broader discussion in that. We've got some really key guests to kind of help us with this. Um, again, bear in mind in all the conversations that we say these are our own personal opinions. They're not necessarily those of our of our community or people we serve. But on that note, I'm going to pass straight over to Janet to introduce our first two of our, of our guests here today. Janet? Thanks, Hugh. So I'm delighted to invite this afternoon, first of all, Jose David. Jose David, you are you are from Spain, Murcia in Spain. Can you tell us a little bit about your school and where it is and the community it serves? Hi, everybody. Yes, uh, okay, my name uh, is Jose David, you say that. Uh, the name of my school is Maestro Francisco Martinez Bernal. This is a public kindergarten and elementary school based in Molina de Segura, here in Murcia. We are located in the southeast part of, of Spain. Our school was inaugurated in 2008, and we have six groups of kindergarten and 14 groups of elementary, ages from 3 to 11, with around 500 uh, students in total. Regarding the socioeconomic and cultural level of the students, we can say that the majority of families from our school are within what we understand the middle class, but also we can find um, some families with uh, economic difficulties. The students hours are from nine to two, and we are also complementary services like transportation, canteen, and extracurricular activities. We are a bilingual school since 2010, and we are teaching almost one third of our time in, in, in English lessons. Um, besides, our school is currently working in a, a project called Smart Digital Learning, uh, and the principal goal of this project is to improve the educational practice, uh, teaching and learning uh, by using tablets in the classroom. And he started it to grades four, five and six. Thank you, Jose. And, um, you know, I'm delighted to have visited your school in the past. Can I ask what the temperature is in Murcia today? Nice, uh, Sally, a bit cold, 20. A bit cold, 20. Yeah. And, and we would be running about in our T-shirts and flip-flops and you would be laughing at us. That's, yeah. that's the way it goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> wish, wish we were there in the sunshine. Thank you, Jose. Um, and and that now we're moving from Spain, we're moving to Finland, uh, to Uvascula in, in the middle of Finland, to our colleague, Essa, who's going to tell us about his school and the community it serves. Thank you, Essa. Yeah. Thank you, Janet. Tervehdys kaikille. Hello to everybody. Um, if it was uh, not cold in Murcia, it's <laughs> minus 20 today has been in, in, in Finland. So we are looking for spring. Yeah, we are in the middle of Finland. Uh, if you know Rally Finland, it's center here in Jyväskylä. My school is uh, about 550 pupils, uh, suburban school, and the area is growing. We are lacking some space all, all, all the time, and we have 
seven years to 12 years are, are our, our grades. And the area is quite, we have quite a variety in economical situations from families and, and also some families live nearly in the center of a city and, and some live really at countryside where you hunt, go, go hunting and, and uh, variety is quite, quite big. I've visited your school as well, Essa. So it, it's, um, I, I know you've got a lot of snow there at the moment. Um, it's, it's a nice size school, isn't it? And you've got um, a lot of emphasis on outdoor learning as well. And I know all yeah. of the world looks to Finland in terms of what you do with it with outdoor learning. So when we, when we come to speak about the impact of COVID, which we will soon, I think it's going to be really interesting to know how you've used that outdoor learning when, when we come to you. Um, so no, thank you. Thank you, Essa, um, and your introduction to your school. And finally, here we are going to introduce Tanya to us. Yeah, yeah, Tanya, again, equally snowy, but quite some distance away, is Tanya um, Thiessen from a school in Alberta. I think it's near Edmonton. Is that correct? Is that, have, I, have I got that right there? Yes, correct. I am uh, in Camrose, Alberta, which is very close to Edmonton. And those that maybe are unfamiliar with the provinces in Canada, we are neighbours to British Columbia, which is Vancouver. So a lot, that's a a good sort of place to think of when you're thinking of where we're located. So my school is Our Lady of Mount Pleasant. We are from grade five to grade 12. So that's 10 years old to 18 years old. But for the purpose of our chat today, I'm going to be talking about my present school, but also the school that I was at at the end of last year, uh, which is the Canadian International School of Guangzhou. So what it was like uh, in terms of the pandemic response in China at an international school versus returning back to Canada this year and then reopening a school for, during a pandemic in Canada. So sort of the, the differences between the two experiences. So um, just to follow Issa's lead, bonjour, hello and ni hao. So looking forward to our conversation this morning. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you for joining us. I know it's the morning with you. Whereas the rest of us, it's a little bit later in the day, really. So, but thank you for, for being with us today as well. Um, and we've got a couple of questions we, we're going to come to all of you and, and chat about. Um, again, all of them are related to some extent about dealing with the pandemic, the challenges, um, but, but not just the negatives, of which I know, no doubt there are quite a few, but also about, about the positives. So bearing that in mind, I'm going to go straight back to Janice. She's got a question for all of you. Okay, so Jose David, could you describe from the very early days of, of the pandemic hitting in Spain, how it felt and what it meant to you? And as time has gone on, how you've had to react and adapt as a school leader? Uh, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, and for some time, uh, I had a feeling that uh, what was happening uh, could not be real. And, and, and but it was like being inside a movie. Uh, with the news changing daily and our school closed, we tried to address a situation totally new for, for which we had no playbook. We tried our best to support uh, students and teachers, uh, striving to keep education going in, in some form during closures. 
the administration here surveyed uh, the schools communities to see uh, how many families uh, had reliable internet access um, at home and provided some devices to, to students uh, who need it. We were focused not just on supporting and educating our students this, this crisis, but also uh, concerning the, uh, about our teachers. Uh, we held some conference calls with, with the teachers to discuss uh, logistics and explanations, limiting the volume of communication in order to consolidate information and allow teachers to focus on, on the students and their own well-being. We became counselors also because teachers were lost in how to cope with the new situation because we were shocked like, like everybody. Um, some of them were not trained enough in ICT. Uh, and many of them uh, share that feeling the, uh, of guilt of not being ready to do their, uh, their best or the duty of, the, of, the, of their students, to their students, sorry. So um, after that, I well, came an Easter break and we, we went on until the, the, the end of the school year. We didn't come back to, to our uh, school. So all the um, instruction or the learning was through Classroom, Google Classroom. Um, uh, we had to uh, keep in touch with, with the, also with the families because some families were struggling because they were not having a proper school, uh, sorry, environment, learning environment. So we had to, to cope with that problem and try to, to help them as much, as much as possible. Uh, from the beginning of this year, uh, we are following a blended rotating uh, system, education with offline and online elements. The maximum number of students here in our school now is 20. Because, uh, I mean, due to the fact we are 25 in average in our classes, so we are uh, using that rotating system because uh, students have to stay at home one day during the week. Uh, the region of Murcia is the only one that uh, keeps this uh, type of education uh, throughout the country in, in Spain. Um, the, the news said that we are coming back to a face-to-face -face education in a couple of months, hopefully. So at the beginning, this, the, we had to prepare um, reopening plans for the school. We have to say a lot of things. We have a, a, a crazy summer preparing things for, I mean, identification of possible risk scenarios. I mean, of access to internal routes, protocol for access, distancing, keeping the, the distance, delivering the personal safety equipment. So we have to plan everything from the, from the beginning. And when the students came here in September, they were like, uh, well, it was <laughs> quite strange. Here in Spain, we're usually very happy and we are uh, hugging us and we are saying uh, things very close. And everybody was with a mask uh, looking to each other, saying, I cannot touch you. You are like, a, <laughs> I mean, it was a, um, for us, for the, for the way we live here, the education, it was very, very difficult to, at the beginning, because it was, the, it was important to understand that we cannot attach, we cannot be so close together, we cannot, uh, uh, we have to keep the, the social distances. So that was at the beginning, at like the first, I, I would say two months after Christmas, things 
came a little bit better in, in that way. Emotionally, the students were more uh, used to the situation. Teachers were helping a lot to the students who were more, some students had difficulties, like uh, dreaming during the night, getting up in, in the middle of the night. Uh, parents told us that they were not sleeping well, they were very worried of coming back to school. So we have to deal with that uh, situations. Um, the, our ministry, education ministry, gave us some uh, a special program with counselors coming to the schools to talk to the students. We are having more difficulties trying to help them to going on with the with the education. Actually, nowadays, hopefully, they, I mean, everybody, everything is more like systematic. We have the classroom, Google classroom activities that the students know how to do it, how to how to work with them. Teachers are more, more yes, much better in that uh, way of learning because they are um, doing. They have done a lot of instruction, a lot of course about the this uh, um, platforms, um, and we are going on in that situation. Hopefully, uh, things going to be better in the few months. Thank you, Jose. So you know, it's it's really interesting to to listen to the whole emphasis on, on well being and counselling, and really we have to get that right first, don't we, before our children can learn. Can we just come to Tanya next? And Tanya, could you describe from the beginning your experiences? Because it was slightly different for you going from from one country to another and experiencing COVID in two very different ways, I guess. Sure. So I I think. There are definitely a lot of similarities and parallels because certainly in China as well, it was how bad is this? What's happening? And initially everything sort of bubbled up uh, during Chinese New Year. So as we were supposed to return to school, the government said, oh, we're just going to wait. We're going to extend one week. You know, the, the general guidelines were sort of provide educational materials to the students, but we're sure we'll be in person again soon. So then that week sort of passes and the government goes, oh, one more week and then we'll see how things are going. And then it was three weeks, four weeks. And then the government sort of reset and said, no, you're going to be online for a little while now. So you need to figure out a proper schedule. You're still teaching and delivering your curriculum, but there should be new learning happening, essentially. No, no more sort of worksheets and checking in and that kind of thing. It, we're online now for a while. Uh, so in that, we actually returned to in-person learning in China in April. So almost when everywhere else in the world was sort of going online or schools were closing, we were returning. So what I always like to share with everyone here is if you thought it was re stressful returning to schools in uh, your given context, in China, I actually had to sign a document that said if we were found to have active cases in the school, and we did not follow government protocols, if any student brought COVID onto the campus, that the principal could go to jail. So that adds a whole other layer of trying to reopen a school during a pandemic. So we'll say we were back in school in April, everyone, the entire campus was back by the beginning of June. And I mean, back in the sense that it was no masks, uh, we had full phys ed and everything in China by June. And it's very similar there now that I would say that they're far more back to normal, whatever that looks like in terms of in-person learning than anywhere else in the world. So given my context here in Canada, 
I feel very fortunate to have lived through that stressful period in China because the Chinese government really provided um, specific directives, like you must do this in order for your school to be considered safe. You must do this in terms of mental health for the students and the families. So it was a lot of must, must, must type of directives. Whereas when I returned to Canada, it was a lot of guidelines, a lot of gray guidelines of like, this is suggested, each individual school board kind of work out what that means for yourself. Um, so it's very different across Canada what school looks like because they were more gentle guidelines than directives. So I apologize to my staff here in Canada early on saying, I went through this in China, so I really want us to be as safe as possible. So we are going to follow these gentle guidelines a little over the top because that's what I think will be best for us and allow us maybe to loosen up some of these restrict restrictions down the line. But as we know globally, um, most places have not done well with their COVID response. So my school has been lucky in that we have been in-person. In my province, you have a choice between in-person learning and online learning. So you can opt to go to a fully online school, but schools for the most part are not doing a dual delivery system between you can choose to be online or you can choose to be in-person. So if a family, someone in the family has cancer, they didn't feel comfortable with their child attending school, those children are just online all year, regardless of what's happening with COVID. That was the mandate from day one in August was all staff have to be prepared to pivot between in-person and online learning at any given notice. And that means if you're a close contact or you have to isolate and all your things are at school, you cannot come back to school if it's a Sunday night phone call. So we've had to do deliveries for staff and students, so porch, or driveway drop-offs of material or computers or technology, but we rely very heavily on Google Classroom to help ensure that we're still meeting the academic and educational needs of our students. And of course, I do think that Canada overall has had a decent response to that mental health piece uh, for both students and staff and that everyone's very aware of the toll um, that COVID can take and that everyone has their own relationship with COVID, whether it's affected them personally, or they don't believe in it, or it's just the flu, you know, it's the spectrum. And we're dealing with all those personalities and all those journeys in our schools. So it's been very interesting living the China model and then coming to Canada and reopening schools as well. Thanks, Tanya, that, that, that's huge, isn't it? And, and I suppose, you know, as a global, piece, I think we're so lucky that we have reflected on well-being before all of this and recognised how important it is and also that we've grown the ICT infrastructures in our schools as well to respond, you know, because I think if we'd gone back 10 years we weren't really talking about well-being and, and we didn't have that access to Google Classroom and all of those different platforms in that way. Thank you, Tanya. Essa, if I can come to you in, in Finland, how was it for you? Yeah, I was listening, uh, for example, Jose uh, David was talking about hugging and so on. I could choke, but uh, to Finnish people, it's hard to keep three meters distance because 10 meters is normal <laughs> for us. And also what, what Tanya told about recommendations and, and rules, I guess Finnish people are quite 
obeying all the recommendations that, that are available. <laughs> so I guess these two things helped us a lot with, with this pandemic. Um, at the spring, in the middle of March, or I would say in, in the beginning of March, when it was happening all over the Europe, the Italy is going bad and Spain and so on. So we had a little more time to prepare ourselves. We are here in corner, safe, safe corner. Uh, and still it came quite suddenly. Um, I guess Finnish students and teachers are quite good in I ICT. So it wasn't quite a big problem to, to go to distance studying. We had a complete lockdown in the middle of March, uh, almost complete. Uh, first and second graders could go to school and also those who need special education. But for example, my school, I would say 15 people a day came to school and all the other were online. The beginning was was easier than, than I ex expected. But the problems we had uh, were, for example, with both families which didn't have a normal rhythm in, in the family. So if we have sessions in Microsoft Teams at no, normal times, nobody was awake. <laughs> so teachers got first uh, contact uh, at, at noon or, or maybe at the evening. So for teachers, they, they try to do the best they can. And it sometimes meant that they were online all the day. So not, not any, any free time serving some pupils at morning and some at, at the evening. So it was quite, quite hard for, for teachers. Our normal summer break begins in the end of May and uh, the government decided two weeks before that to, to have all back in school. And there was a lot of fear about that. I had almost 100 applications from parents to keep still their pupils home and not to come to school. But I still think it was a good decision to have a little time, like like more more like normal before summer break, and I guess it was easier to start again after after a summer when we had those two weeks before it. The spring was in national government's rules, so. When we had the lockdown, the lockdown, lockdown was in Helsinki, in Uvascula, and only in, uh, and also in, in those places where there were zero COVID cases. So it wasn't quite a reasonable thing to, to all to do the, the same thing. So after the summer, the government made some changes to the laws, so the areas could make more what should be done locally. So for example, in Helsinki, there have been more lockdowns than, than in Uvascula. 
for example, my school where there has been not not any complete lockdown. Some quarantines, some classes uh, have been, for example, two weeks in in distance learning. But most of the time, we are in in school. We are not allowed to have groups mixed. So cooperation inside the school is is not not so easy when when normally. Thank you. Thank you, Esa. I mean, there's there's so much to consider, isn't there? And it's fascinating to think about how you do manage social distancing in Spain, I think, because I I know that the hugs are very important to the Spanish, not so much so to the to the Finnish. And in, in Wales we like to to cut. I don't know what you do in, in Canada, Tanya. Is social distancing um okay for you in Canada? Uh, no, I think, honestly, social distancing is a struggle for everyone just because we're meant, we're relational beings as human yeah. beings. Like I explained to my students is, you know, really the worst punishment in prison is to be put in solitary confinement. Like that's the worst thing you can do to another human being. And that's what we're living. And having gone through this in China, and then of course, coming home and needing to self-isolate and all those things like my father had passed away and my mother had COVID. And so I actually had to self-isolate for 28 days. So I isolated as I cared for my mother. And then once she was cleared, um, then that was when my extra 14 days started because technically with our rules in Canada, she could have still infected me up to her 14th day. So that led me up to Christmas break. And long story short, I came back to school for three days prior to our Christmas break. So there's my bell again. Um, and then I had Christmas break and I was off, but everything was shut down here in Canada. Everyone was to quarantine, no travel, no anything. And it was partway through Christmas break. And I said to my husband, like, I just feel blah. And I like, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I just feel yuck. And I realized it was that connection piece um, of having come off 28 days of just living with my mom. Um, to being free, so to speak, for three days, and then back sort of into isolation during Christmas break, because we were, it was unlawful to gather or to see anyone outside your household. And that's, you know, what we've seen, uh, what I've witnessed in schools as well, that lack of connection um, is just hard on everyone, even the introverts are struggling. Thank you, Tanya. You, you know, that that really strikes a chord. I, I mean, even in Finland, Essa, that that lack of proximity must must be quite hard yeah 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 you, you you must say that yes that's true um, and when you're dealing with little children it is especially is, is hard and i consider the spring when the prime minister was saying that there's no no chance to meet your grandparents no don't just just make calls and month after month, so I guess that was really the tough thing for for many children. Okay, I thank you for sharing that with us. And I think you know to have that that experience across the world re really resonates. Uh, well, well, thank you to all our our, our three um, speakers there. I mean, some really interesting points there coming out about the current situations um, and how how they've dealt with them. But but of course, we all know being being leaders we've, we've got to be resilient we've got to kind of deal sometimes with the the bad times the low points the huge challenges that come 
come with the job. And I'm, I'm just wondering really from each of our, our three speakers today, what, what, what have been the low points, the biggest challenges for you, do you think? And, and how have you overcome them? Uh, how have you kind of moved on from these situations over the last year? Shall I start with um, Jose? Okay, uh, I think that the, the real low point if, uh, for me leading a uh, school in this pandemic was just uh, when we realized that that the crisis was going on and the school were closed for, for a long time. Uh, the uncertainty of the situation with uh, our daily way of working being transformed in such a short space of time was something we, we did not expect at all and took some time to, to get used to, to it. It was evident that as a school community, we had a large uh, part to play in this um, situation and we were determined to, that we were going to be prepared to do that. To do this, uh, we, had, well, well, we, we had like one day because they, they told us that the school were going to be closed and we had only one day more of a school because the, the students came for the, for the last day before uh, starting the closure, the first closure. So um, we had a, a teacher meeting there. Um, and I, I had prepared a list of tasks that need to be done, tasks such as scanning sections of, of textbooks, photocopying and preparing materials for the students, and getting ready for uh, starting the online um, instruction, learning. It was uh, hard to appreciate just uh, how much difficult our, our roles would be while working from home, um, and it was impossible to predict that 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 situation was going on for, for so long. So that's, uh, that was the, the, the very low point in the, in the leading uh, in, the, in, this, uh, in this pandemic. But after that, after, um, after this situation, we started to move on and to, we, we started to, to call to the teachers and, and, and be in touch with the parents in order to, to establish the the way that we are going on uh, teaching uh, during the, the closures. Um, well, that, that keeps us at the, the situation until the, nowadays. So, so it's that's uh, how we, we, we change, we, we, we deal with that, with that point, with that problem. Yeah, and I think all school systems have had to adapt quickly and, and our teaching profession and as leadership, we have to adapt so quickly, I think, really, in the face of the, the pandemic, really. Um, Essa, what, what about you? What were the, the kind of challenges, the low point for you, do you think, over the last year dealing with this pandemic as a leader or as, as a human being as well? Yeah, I, I think um, for me, the most difficult thing has been that I, I try and I want to be part of participating headmaster, having chat with pupils and and teachers and other stuff in 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 normal no, normal days and now my role is more if if we can be in normal normal schooling all the teachers would would like to gather together to share things drink coffee and so on and my role is to go to say that split up split up just five <laughs> five at time so I would like to say, let's gather all together and discuss about things and share things. <laughs> and I have to say, go away. <laughs> so that's, that's quite a struggle. 
yeah, I think I think it's a struggle that all leaders have had to deal with, really, with as our profession mm -hmm. as well. Tanya, what, what about yourself? What what were the main kind of issues that you felt in the last year? I know two schools I means huge challenge in that, um, and particularly from from China as well. But any other low points you think, or you know, and, and how you how you dealt with those? So I think in China, the the low point really was venturing into something new. So when it was time to re-enter the school and return to in-person learning, it seemed just too incredible of a mountain to climb of how do you cohort students? How do you separate them? How do you keep them in masks all day? How do you ensure they're washing their hands and hand sanitizing? So I think all of those new protocols that needed to be in place just felt impossible. We knew we had to figure it out and so that was one piece of this is not possible, we can't do it, and then proving to ourselves that you can. Um, and then of course, coming back to Canada, I think one of the hardest parts is holding that role or that space as a school leader, being the bottom hands for your staff and students. So everyone has high points and low points with COVID. I think with the no clubs, the no sports, for us specifically, the no church attendance, uh, so we're not attending mass as a school. There's no field trips. We can't have meals together. So all those things are very, very difficult. Um, but one of the ways that I think in, we've, I have worked towards changing some of that is always just making sure that there's open communication with everyone in our school community and never dealing in half truths of like, I think we'll be able to play school sports by March, or I think we'll be able to do such and such by this day, um, that unless it's sort of black and white concrete knowledge that you just don't enter into those types of conversations. And as I've always told my staff and students, like if I know something, you know something. Um, and so that security piece with COVID and re-entry and in-person learning and online. So I think that's been the hardest part is trying to love everyone through this uh, while they're all in different places on how they feel about COVID or how safe they feel or what has changed in their family dynamic. So just trying to keep everyone joyful and solution focused and monitoring behaviors if there's changes with staff or with students. Um, so just being really mindful of all the people that you're caring for in a school. I think the thing that comes out from all, all three of you is that it's about people, it's about young people at the heart of everything we do, of course, but it's also about the communities that we serve, the staff we serve, and, and keeping people together on, on that journey, really. And it, it's such a challenge. And I think it's it, it's so powerful to hear that the, the challenges are so similar, really, regardless of where we are in the world, that uh, the challenges we face and the way we approach them, really, the solutions are, are so similar as well. Uh, and it's just so so fantastic and to see that in place really so look thank you so much thank you so much for that okay we're getting towards the end but really look into the future we hopefully have learned something from this time um tanya can we come to you first of all what do you think as a as a global education community we might be able to take from this I would say one of the few gifts of the pandemic uh, truthfully was the forced professional development that we all needed to go through. So whether you're leading a school community, uh, your places as a, a lead teacher, head teacher, classroom teacher, what have you, that everyone had to learn how to persevere through this pandemic and to move to online, uh, then move back to in-person or then move back to online. So even those educators or 
even leaders that didn't believe that they were tech savvy, um, that they did not feel comfortable, you know, having a Zoom meeting or a Google Meet or scanning documents suddenly were thrust into that and needed to learn because there was no more hiding or, you know, asking that colleague for support or having someone else do it for you that everyone had to step up. And I do think that's been the greatest gift of the pandemic is people really knowing and seeing that they can do things that they never believed that they could do. Um, so I think educators, leaders, everyone that's involved in our global community, realizing that they are just as awesome online as they are in person on their school sites. Absolutely. Yeah. As a profession, I think we have learned and grown so much, haven't we? Jose? No, I think that uh, we can extract another positive aspect, uh, like the management of crisis situations. If something similar uh, are repeated in the future, I think the, the, the management that leaders are having experience that uh, we are uh, having in this situation can help us in the future in case something similar is coming on again. Absolutely. And Essa? Yeah, I, I consider um, when we had this online sessions, uh, I guess we find completely new individuals among those pupils. Maybe some, some people who doesn't participate at all in, in school. They were tutoring the hours when, when we were online. And I guess this is just like Tanya, Tanya said, uh, the skills. The teachers have also, the pupils have learned a lot of new skills to, to go to future with Thank you to all three of you. Absolutely fantastic, I think. Um, I, I've got one question to throw at you. I'm really sorry. I'm just wondering, we, have, we have obviously have uh, people who listen who are at work in schools, uh, are leaders themselves perhaps, who are aspiring to leadership. It, dealing with uh, something as unique as a pandemic, what quality do you, what one quality do you think has really helped you through? What, what one skill, professional ability, whatever you want to call it, has really helped you manage this crisis, do you think? Uh, Tanya, what about you first? Sure, absolutely. I think for me, it's been about being rational. So what is it that you're reading? What are you seeing? Um, what sort of information are you into? That's part of your intake that is guiding some of the decisions that you're making. So I think being patient and considering all the information that's coming at you is very, very important in schools. Um, and two, I think being mindful and checking on your own wellness and your own stress level, um, because you really can't fill anything from an empty cup or an empty vessel, as they say. So knowing that just because you're in a leadership position or a head position and you are carrying, you know, other people's say burdens or challenges or stresses, that you also need to take care of yourself and know where you are in your own journey with pandemic or crisis management. Uh, to be able to put your best self forward. So acknowledging that you're having a bad day. Um, and as I mentioned, like when my father passed, passed away, I did have to say like, yes, I like I'm emotionally fragile, you know, so my assistant principal handled some things virtually that, you know, I just wasn't in the space to handle. And being okay with that as a leader, as a teacher to say, I'm having a tough day, I'm having a tough week, whatever the case may be, but to be mindful of what it is that you're reading and digesting and taking care of yourself. That's really powerful, Tana. I often say to people, if, if you can't manage your, your own well-being, 
uh, how can you possibly have responsibility for those around you really as well? So that, that's a really powerful one, I think, going forward. Uh, Jose, what, what about you? Uh, I will say that resilience is very important, um, I think, in, in this point. This situation is, is forcing us to, to adapt, so it's forcing us to change things that um, 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 do things that we have never done, maybe. So um, it's, it's forcing us in a, in a situation that is totally new for us, and we have I think that resilience is a, a very good quality in this in this uh, in this point, to to be able to to come over this situation and and think uh, that you can do it. You can you I mean you, you need a, a, to be strong and, and coming on uh, and still going on and, and do the best for your students and teachers. I think so. Thank you, Jose. And Anissa, same question. I would say two things. Um, flexibility is one. You, you just have to be flexible and don't don't do the way you used to do. But and and the other is you have to have a sense of humor. You you have to prank <laughs> all, all the time and find something funny for normal normal things. Because if if it's just just being online without any any sense of humor that would kill everybody. But pranking and <laughs> so on, it, it, it helps go, to go, go through. Interesting, actually, that they, they are exactly the same qualities, we'd say, in spite of a crisis, wouldn't we? The, the, the qualities as leaders that, 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 that kind of help us, really, as well. So it's, it's just taking them to the next level, I guess, really, in, in, in how we approach um, it, the kind of very difficult and unique circumstances of the pandemic. Can I just say, um, we, we've come to an end there in terms of our questions, but a, a huge thank you to, to the three of you in all of your corners of the world, um, dealing with this pandemic day in, day out and taking the time to share because I think it's fascinating to listen to your reflections. But the, the biggest feeling for me right now is it's a, I'm very proud to be a teacher in Wales, to be a head teacher in Wales, but more than anything right now I'm feeling how how proud I am just to be a teacher to be a head teacher and to be part of this community that that we are you know yes we are resilient and we are flexible and and we're there for our children and for our our um, teachers day in day out we're doing a really special job and I think we should be so proud so a little bit emotional actually at the end of this for me but a, a huge thank you all and you know wishes from our part of Wales um, for you know a good rest of 2021 for, for the three of you. Thank you so much thank you to all of you. Okay, well, that was um, fantastic to listen to and reflect on colleagues from across across the world there, who, um, what, what were your main reflections from all of that? I thought when we were asking them what were the, the qualities that kind of make a good leader, and um, what struck me was they're exactly the same qualities, um, regardless of where you are, in Wales, in Finland, in Spain, in Canada, wherever in the world. And, and I think that really key quality was resilience. Um, and if that's not something that leaders have needed over the last couple of months, well, over a year now, really, then I don't know what kind of quality would would be positive, I think. What, what about you, Janet? 
I think um, resilience is is definitely right up there, and it, it's that that ability, I suppose, to be ready to cope with whatever might come next. It, it is the unexpected. I think people have looked at us, haven't they, through this time, expecting that we have some answers and just showing that, that we don't know and it's okay that we don't know. But when we do know, we'll roll our sleeves up and, and we'll get on with it and, and do our best with the guiding principles of what our schools are about. I mean, it, it struck me the similarity between what they are doing and have been doing and, and what we are doing now, uh, dealing with these kind of hugely rapidly changing situations, information coming from different areas, trying to kind of put that together in a plan that keeps everyone, uh, everyone safe, whilst bringing pupils with you, whilst bringing our parents and our community and of course our staff with us on the journey. And then that lovely phrase that someone said about not over-promising, and we're all guilty of that sometimes. So things will be better then, you know, don't worry, next year will be like this. And kind of over-promising. And, and I think to bear in mind, we can't over-promise because the truth is we are finding our way through this as school leaders, as teachers and pupils and parents and the entire community uh, are trying to do. I suppose as school leaders, <clears throat> we usually do have that promise, don't we? We have the timetable. We will say that this is how it will be at this time. And absolutely, we don't know. I suppose we have to balance that with hope that things will be better. We just don't know how they'll be better and what they, they look like. And how to make them better. Having a vision of what that better looks like, which is challenging as well, but the process is to get there. But I thought there was some really interesting differences between countries as well. We said about the similarities, but the differences. I loved when um, Essa was talking about how two meter distancing actually was too close really for people <laughs> in Finland. Actually, they were, they were more used to having the 10 meter distance, which was more appropriate. But of course the flip side being very much the case in Spain where they're very much used that kind of physical contact. And now that's kind of been removed um, from the narrative really because of COVID. So that was really interesting, I thought. And, and one last point, I thought one thing we haven't had to deal with as school leaders in Wales is when Tanya said, of course, when she was managing the school in China, uh, and of course, if she didn't even accidentally report a case, as a school leader, she could be arrested. So at a really kind of hard edge, that kind of put it into context a little bit for me, I think. Yeah, so, so, so maybe we've got it a bit easy in Wales. We, we, we don't get locked up too easily. <laughs> should we oh, make yeah. that should yeah. we make that a, a, a takeaway here um, <laughs> it has been absolutely delightful bringing children back over the last few weeks so in all seriousness in in primary now first of all foundation phase children coming in and St David's Day being a, a bit closer to normal and then um, junior children back and for me it has been such a such a source of joy to see children returning. Um, so excited to come back, so happy to be reconnected with their teachers and with their friends. And that real sense of what school is about, and it's about relationships, isn't it? I think we've been through, I hope, one of, one of the toughest times in lots of ways, but we've learned a lot of things. We've learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned about resilience going forward and as we go forward now into the Easter holidays I suppose for, for you here you're really considering what it would look like when you come back after Easter. I agree with you I mean schools are soulless places without young people in them 
and thank God they're coming back. Whether a head teacher or a teacher would say, you know, this, this isn't something really to be to be looking forward to, having young people back. But of course, that brings challenges. I mean, we are considering at the moment how do we support and help pupils almost in a kind of reschooling format, really, for them. Plus, of course, at secondary level, we've we have these preparations. We uh, we're looking at assessments and how do we ensure that we get accurate grading for these young people because that's their that's their future beyond us as well. So there's a huge amount of challenges and, and the challenges are short term, the challenges are medium term, and, but these challenges will go on for the next two, three, four, five years even because the impact of losing one, two terms, whatever it is from your education is going to be felt. The ripples of that are going to be felt into the future. So our planning has to deal with that into the future as well. And we're all finding our way with that without necessarily having a route map, but having a clear route map. And the idea, I think, if we can work together as schools, as school leaders, to find the best strategies at work for our young people, uh, our parents and our communities and our staff, we can recover. Um, and we may even improve. There may even be things that come out of this crisis. We heard um, from Professor Waters about this. We heard from some of our colleagues in other countries there are places we can get better. Uh, and maybe that pressure on the system might help us to see where that innovation could be created. Absolutely. And I think, you know, being resilient, being connected, working together, I think we have to find a hopeful future in all of this. Can I say thank you to Essa? Uh, thank you to Jose and thank you to Tanya. It was so fantastic to give their time. Lord knows they're as busy as us, but they gave their time to kind of speak and to help and give their perspective. Uh, and thank you to all of you who've been listening. Uh, I hope it's proved useful. Uh, we, we found it really interesting uh, to be part of that discussion and, and I hope we found it interesting to listen to it as well. Just to say happy Easter, past capis, everybody. And to you and to all our listeners. Thank you very much for listening.